be seated. I, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish life was just a little simpler. Anybody wish life was just simpler? Okay, all right, I figured. Uh, I know some of us, depending on our age, uh, would, would like to go back to the way things were, right? Never heard that phrase before. Um, just like to go, th- you know, many years ago, this was obviously before, um, before I was born, they, they weren't distractions such as TV. I was always known to TV. I do remember a time when there wasn't the Internet. Um, life was spent outdoors a lot. It was either farming or, we, you know, we played outside, right? Now, you didn't, you didn't have air conditioner back in the day, so I don't know how good it was back in the day, uh, especially for this, uh, this warm-blooded guy here. But I think a lot of us would agree that life, we would just like life a little simpler. And that's true even today with with our technology and so forth that's supposed to make things easier, right? You know, take smartphones, for example. You guys just thought we were done with the apps, but no. Um, You know, my phone is so easy to use. I have no idea how it really works. I just know that it works most of the time. Um, Yet still, it's it's so so smart that it can do all these things at the same time. Uh, make a phone call, imagine that, um, search the internet at the same time and, and look up an address on, on, a, on a, a map app at the same time, all these things at the same time, it can make your head spin when you think about it. But not only is our, is our technology uh, complex, but so, so is our social and political world. Today we're dealing with issues whether it's social issues or government issues or, or foreign issues that are, that are fairly complex. Rarely are things black and white or have two sides. Typically, there's multiple facets, multiple approaches to a single issue. We just live in a complex world. And I think sometimes we allow the complexity of our world to seep into the walls of the church. We understand our world to be complex, so we sometimes think our spiritual lives should be complex as well. We add unnecessary burdens or rules or restrictions that make our walk with Christ too much to bear. Don't you think our walk with Christ, don't you think it should be simple? I think it should be very simple. I don't think Christ came to make things more complex. I think he came to make it very simple. Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, love God with all you have. And then he later says, and we hear it in our scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. Two things, very simple. John Wesley, the founder of of Methodism, after studying the Gospels and looking at the example of Christ, concluded that the Christian life could be best lived out and understood with three simple rules. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at these three simple rules. One, do no harm. Two, do good. Three, stay in love with God. Those are pretty simple, right? This morning, we're going to look at the first rule, do no harm. 
Now, I, I want to say something real quick and real clear. I, I did not say three easy rules. I said three simple rules. Just because something's simple doesn't make it easy. I think these rules, including do no harm, are very simple to understand, but possibly very hard to actually do. I mean, a child can understand do no harm, but that doesn't make it easy to do. And because of the very fact, this, this first simple rule, more often than not, because of the fact that it's, it's simple but not easy, it doesn't get done. If this step is so simple and so easily understood, then why do so many people do so much harm? The answer is because it's not easy. For many of us, this first simple rule requires too much from us in the way of self-discipline. Listen, most of us do harm or repay evil with evil, like our scripture says, when we let our emotions get the best of us. Maybe we get in a heated argument or, or with a spouse or, or with a parent or with a child or with a friend, and instead of, instead of walking away and telling ourselves, I will do no harm, I will do no harm, I will do no harm. You just try that when you whisper, when you're in an argument, I will do no harm. Instead of doing that, we usually let our words fly, and sometimes we let our fists fly too. And we end up doing harm to ourselves and to one another. Following this first simple rule is not easy. It is hard, and it requires a great deal of self-discipline to commit to doing no harm. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you another reason we, we find it difficult to follow this first rule is that oftentimes we think that our way is better than God's way. We may not say that, but we may think it. Sometimes we, we do harm to each other because we, we get so committed to our way versus God's way. We think, hey, we, I can fix the problem. I can handle the problem, or I'll simply show someone who's the boss. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show them who's the boss, and in the process, we do harm. Now, in verse 19 of our scripture, it says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, why do you think Paul wrote this? I think he wrote this because he knows that too often we take matters into our own hands. I mean, look at our world today seems like all the time bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Life isn't all that fair a lot of the times. It's just not. This goes back to what mom and daddy used to say. Life's not fair. Deal with it. And because we see too much injustice in this world, we want to take matters in our own hands sometimes. And we want to play God. I mean, it doesn't appear that God's doing what God's supposed to be doing, right? He's not doing anything about it, so let me do something. No, God says vengeance is mine. It's not our place. Scripture doesn't say that all 
injustice will be made right in this world. Remember, our hope is not only here on this earth, but it's in heaven, in his kingdom. While we may not see every wrong being made right here on earth, in the end, everything will be made right. His word promises us that. So in the meantime, we're called to not play God, and we're called to do no harm. We're called to love. We're called to do no harm. Yeah, there's one last reason we fail to follow this first simple rule, and that is if we commit to following Jesus and we commit to doing no harm, a lot of us are afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of the consequences. To abandon the ways of the world for the ways of Jesus is a radical, radical step. I think we realize that if we commit to doing no harm, it may lead us to places and to people we don't want to go to. We have to ask ourselves, are we ready to give up our most cherished possession? Do you know what our most cherished possession is? the certainty that we are right and others are wrong. That we are right and others are wrong. Can we trust God enough to follow the ways of the Spirit rather than the ways of the world? If we choose to follow this way, will we be seen as weak and at the mercy of others rather than as powerful and in control of every situation, although we all know that in the end we're really not in control. We just think we're in control. The risk seems so great, and often our fears speak so much louder than the Spirit of God in our life that we're just not willing to make that step. Is it possible to live in this complex, violent world without doing harm? Are we supposed to turn the other cheek to those who distort the truth by a selective use of the facts? Is it wise to do no harm to those who seek to harm us? Is it possible to speak the truth in love and gentleness when others speak partial truth in anger and in hatred? Those are some of the questions we have. There is no doubt it is a challenging path to walk, this path of doing no harm. Yet even a casual reading of the gospel suggests that Jesus taught and practiced a way of living that did no harm. His life, his way of life, and his teaching demonstrated over and over and over again this first simple rule of do no harm. So, so what would it look like? What would it look like to follow the way of Jesus, to follow this simple rule of do no harm? Well, basically, we would look like Jesus. Basically, we would look like Jesus. The more we commit to following this rule, the more and more we are transformed into the image of Christ, just as two people in a long and successful marriage begin to think and to act, and sometimes they, they begin to look like each other. So those who practice this simple rule begin to think and to act and even begin to look 
like Jesus. We all know people or, or groups that are in conflict right now. You may be this morning in an ongoing conflict with a loved one, a friend, a family member, someone. And let's be honest, sometimes we get in conflict over silly, stupid stuff. Am I right? I mean, we just get out silly stuff. But, but nonetheless, the conflict is still real, right? It's still real, and the consequences can be devastating. Yet if we commit to do no harm and to look and to act like Jesus, the climates in our conflicts can immediately change. Immediately, if we just commit to do no harm. I'm going to do no harm. I'm going to do no harm. I'm going to do no harm. You might ask how. Well, if you commit to do no harm, that means you can no longer gossip about your conflict. You can no longer gossip about the other person or persons in your conflict. If you commit to do no harm, you can no longer manipulate the facts to make your point. And you can no longer diminish those who do not agree with you. And you must honor each person as a child of God. Doing no harm means that before you press send on that text or on that Facebook post, or on that Instagram, or, or you send out that tweet, ask yourself this question, is this going to do harm to someone? Now, I know some of you feel like you've got a comment on what Trump or Hillary are doing every day. Y'all don't know anybody like that. And I know that you firmly believe that your post is going to change someone's mind? I want to let you in on a little secret. It won't. It's only going to confirm what those who already support your position think, or it's going to make everyone else upset. That's all it's going to do. Just ask yourself, whether it's pressing the send button or speaking to your spouse, or speaking to a co-worker, or doing something, is this going to do harm? And if you've got to ask that question, it probably is. And, and that's a good thing to ask whenever you're dealing with any conflict, with anything, with any relationship. Is it going to do harm? Our final verse in our passage says this. Love does no harm to its neighbor. For me, that's the key of doing no harm. If we say we're a faithful follower of Jesus, then we should know the love that Christ has for us and for all people. And because of Christ's love for us all, we are then to return that love to others. And so if we're truly loving each other, we're not going to do harm. 
we're going to do good. We just can't do harm. If we're truly loving one another, then we just can't do harm. So may we love a little bit more. May we do a little less harm. And may we look a whole lot more like Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, it's so simple. It really is. But we know it's not easy. We know that some of us are in conflict right now, and we, and we just want to show that other person who's the boss, and we just want to, we just want to. Let us ask that question, is this going to do harm? Help us to love one another. Help us to love our neighbor. God, we know there's enough harm and there's enough violence and there's enough junk in this world. Help us not to be a part of it. We know we can't do this on our own, so we need your spirit, we need your strength, and we pray for guidance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.